Greetings, my name's Tinika and you are very welcome as you join the online service for St Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel for the 5th of September 2021. Our sentence of scripture as we begin our time together today comes from Psalm 119. You are righteous Lord and right are your judgments. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love. Let me pray on our behalf. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed righteous. We thank you that you are our Lord. We thank you that your judgments are right. And we pray, Father, that you will deal with us, not as we deserve, but according to your steadfast love and your mercy shown to us in Jesus Christ. Please be with us as we spend time now uh, singing in our hearts or out loud, uh, reading your word, uh, hearing it preached, and spending time in prayer. Uh, please bless this time, Lord, and grow our faith in you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, g'day everybody, my name's Adam. Uh, welcome to the service. Uh, what follows is uh, an interview. It's an impromptu uh, interview. Uh, it was done without any preparation, but we offer it to you as an encouragement. Yep. Hey, g'day everybody, here we are with okay. Bill Newton. Welcome, Bill. Hello, Adam. <laughs> if you don't know Bill, what, what church service do you normally go to? Seven, uh, sorry, 9.30 service. 9.30, and you're our parish treasurer. Yes. For many years, you served on parish council, yes. and you're the chief lawnmower man. I, I'm not the chief lawnmower man. I just organise it. <laughs> and just about every other job going on around the place. There's nothing Bill won't do for us, and we uh, really appreciate all that you do, mate. Now, I've got a number, and when I say this number, I want you to respond. You ready? Okay. The number is 70. <laughs> That's my age. <laughs> and, and when did you turn 70, mate? Uh, in July. Just in recently. July. You flew under the radar, didn't you? You didn't tell anybody. No, that was my intention. <laughs> well, happy birthday Thank you. Uh, to our latest septuagenarian, I think you're called now. That's right. Yeah. Now, um, Bill, uh, other developments in your life, uh, you were talking to me about your ute. Yes. Your classic Toyota Land Cruiser ute. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've sold it. Oh, you sold it. Oh, yeah. He hasn't picked it up yet, but we, I came to an agreement with a, a local guy who wanted it so badly that he couldn't say no. <laughs> And I bought, I bought a trailer, but there's a problem. The trailer's in lockdown in Brisbane. <laughs> and I didn't see a tow ball on your Camry either. Yeah, it, it, you take it on and off. It's there. Okay, ah, righto. Okay, I've got the tow bar on there, but you, you actually use two bolts to put the ball part on each time so you don't hit your shins with it all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, losing this Land Cruiser, is that like losing a, a, a body part, an arm or a hand or...? Yeah. Not really. It's it's only a material thing. I'm not sort of sentimental about it. Although it is, it, it's got character. It's got bullet holes in the roof, and it's got, uh, you know, a lot of fond memories and and some not so fond. <laughs> I know. Uh, and uh, you and I have done some firewood collecting in that Ute. Um, Tinica was trying to tell me that uh, it was your Ute and what the Ute that Bill looks after so well and i said what the one with bullet holes in it uh yeah that one uh, <laughs> funny moment but anyway That's um funny. but you found a buyer look that those things are so popular um <laughs> but, uh, but you're right it's a, a material possession and uh um there it goes how old was it how um, it's a 1984 model so you work that out it's um it, it's a lot of years we had it since brand new and i've got a log book that had an oil change every 5,000 kilometres. The guy was pretty happy to see that. So, yeah. Nice. Only 250,000. Oh, wow. Not that many. And uh, one owner vehicle. <laughs> You'd think I was trying to sell it again, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, it's not, it's some things, it, it just won't be the same. But anyway, Romans 11, we just had Bible study. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, hey, how have you found Romans? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but as we work through Romans, we just finished chapter 11. Anything in particular that struck you? 
it's just amazing that um, that we are part of we're sort of the new Israel in a way we're we're the elect of, of God because we um, because we recognize Jesus as his son and, and 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 the political Israel by and large didn't except for the few people including Paul the writer of Romans like he was and and even with him um, Jesus met him on the you know on the on the road to was it the road to Damascus or something yeah yeah yeah, and uh, and changed his life. If that hadn't have happened, he might have stayed um, a Jew as well, and we wouldn't have his his writing, you know, and yeah. all the insights. Yeah, like yeah. God would have raised someone else up, no doubt, because it was always His intention to um, to include the Gentiles in salvation, which makes sense. I mean, why why would God create a world and create all these people and, and nations, and and then only select just a few of them? Why why not let everybody have the opportunity to have salvation? That's right. So the gospel's for the world. It's incredible. Hmm. Um, uh, all right. That's, that's terrific. And yeah, how, how uh, wonderful it is, is it to know that we've been grafted into the tree as wild olive shoots, that we can hmm. benefit from the nourishing sap. Um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. Yeah. Anything else grab you from Romans? Uh, you put me on a spot. I can't, I can't think of anything right now but um it is it's it's a great book it's got a lot of um a very inspired writing in there obviously paul's a, a very gifted writer but I, I think it's because of the holy spirit i don't know that it's it's just him because it's not really him saying it you know mm. but uh, a lot of the stuff he says is in its day especially was extremely radical you know a jew reading it must have been um probably oh angry you know that he's disagreeing with their with with all their um their culture and their history well not disagreeing but but taking it a step further you know yeah that's right you're either going to shake your fist and get upset or you're going to submit to Except, his mercy yeah, and give right. yourself to his mercy that comes through faith in christ jesus that's right um all right mate well yeah we we had bible study i thought it was uh really yeah. encouraging a uh, tough tough chapter and um, well attended, and um, it's, yeah, I enjoyed um, the, the Zoom Bible study this morning. It was enlightening. Thank you. All right, so uh, we commend it to everybody else. If you want to participate, the link is the same. Uh, we all get it in the bundle when we send that around with the online ministry, mate. Uh, last question: um, How can we pray for you? Uh well, my circumstances are not real easy, as you probably know. So. Um, you can just pray that I'd um, continue to trust God and um, and um, gain strength from that. Yep. All right. Well, let me pray. Um, Father God, we I thank you so much for our brother Bill. I thank you that you've showered him with your love and your kindness and grace and Annie as well. Uh, we thank you, Father, uh, that when we read Romans 11, we're reminded of the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, that your judgments are unsearchable, your paths are beyond tracing out, yet you show us mercy and kindness in Christ Jesus. And you've shown that kindness and mercy and grace uh, to Bill and Annie. And Father, we pray that uh, you'd bless the Newnham home, uh, that you would continue to encourage Bill and help him to be um, spiritually resilient, and physically preserve him, keep him well, uh, and emotionally robust. 
Uh, we pray that for Annie. Uh, we pray for all of us that through this time, as we face uh, challenges with COVID, with lockdown, and, um, uh, and other challenges beyond that, um, uphold us in the knowledge of your love, Father. Uh, thank you for Jesus. And thank you that in him we can know the full assurance of your love for each one of us, that you meet our greatest need, uh, our need of mercy and kindness and salvation, that you shower that on us. Father, again, we thank you for Bill and all the way that he contributes to church life here in his capacity as a treasurer and um, his service as a parish councillor uh, for all the other odd jobs he does around the place. Uh, the care he has about ministry being viable in the future, uh, his love for the gospel and his desire for it to be proclaimed uh, in Inverell and to the ends of the earth. Uh, we thank you for Bill and the blessing that he is to us. Thank you for his Christian witness uh, where he is and uh, the impact he's had on others. And uh, thank you that he's part of our church family. Uh, and thank you so much for Annie as well. Again, Lord, we ask for your blessing on them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good on you, brother. Thank you. All I right. appreciate your prayers. Thank you. Um, anytime. I'll stop recording now. Uh, now we come to the ministry of God's word. And I urge you to, in a moment, press pause and, and open up your Bibles and find those readings. Uh, read through them uh, before Adam comes to speak to us. And so our first reading is from Psalm, Psalm 133. Our second reading is from John, chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. We come to the preaching of God's word. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that we can gather this way online with our Bibles open, wherever we are, whatever our circumstance, whomever we're with. Encourage our hearts by your spirit. Show us the glory and wonder that is your son, Jesus. Uh, encourage us and grow us to be more like him, uh, that we will be unified, that you, that you would be glorified above all else. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 133. Uh, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. What is good and pleasant? What is good and pleasant? Verse 1. Oh, when I think of what is good and pleasant, for some reason I'm thinking of the smell of a steak on a barbecue uh, waiting to be washed down with a nice glass of red wine in the company of good friends and family, of course. That's good and pleasant, isn't it? That's more than good and pleasant. What's your idea of good and pleasant? Here in verse 1, that which is good and pleasant is God's people living together in unity. And as a pastor, oh, too ripe, that is. <laughs> Good and pleasant is an understatement. Actually, it's unreal banana peel. But the Bible doesn't say that. Now, what does this look like, that which is good and pleasant? This unity, what does it look like? What does it mean? Well, the psalmist uh, gives us some pictures. According to the psalm, picture one, it's like oil. Precious oil, even. Uh, and this is maybe where our aromatherapy, essential oils, people get very excited and animated. Uh, the people of the ancient Near East from all levels of society 
would use aromatic oils for medical, cosmetic, ritual, and even magical purposes. This is the people of the ancient Near East. And here, this is a what we might call a sacred anointing oil. And it consists, I can tell you what the recipe was. It consists of a mixture of olive oil and four spices, myrrh, cinnamon, cane, and cassia, whatever that is. How do I know the recipe? Because it's all spelled out in Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 to 33. You can look it up. And it's uniquely combined by what we would call a perfumer. And they had a job, and they're also mentioned in Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 to 3, and particularly verse 11, and chapter 37, verse 29. It's all there in the Bible, nothing new under the sun. And it would, of course, take months to make this stuff. And the oil is prepared. And here, what's happening with the oil? Verse 2, this precious oil is poured on a head, and it runs down a beard, and it's running down not just any person's beard, not even Adam's beard, it's Aaron's beard. Who is Aaron? Uh, Aaron is an Old Testament uh, figure that uh, was a high priest, if you like. And we see the oil flow through the beard, and there's so much of it, it's flowing onto his robes down the collar of his robe verse 2 says and so here is a picture of unity God's people united it's just like this <laughs> it's just like oil that saturates Aaron's head and beard and collar now let me help you a bit uh, I was looking at this picture seeing Aaron get saturated and it reminded me oh hey a football State of origin football, especially this year when New South Wales smashed Queensland. We remember that. And the winning coach, Brad Fittler, he's on the field. He's greeting players. Everyone's happy. There are photos. There are interviews. The camera is rolling. And they're on the coach. And, of course, for the victor goes the spoils, some players pick up a big blue barrel of... I don't know what it was, Powerade, or maybe it was just water, and they tip it over the coach's head. Awesome. And the coach is drenched, and he's saturated, and it is a spectacle. And it's a spectacle reserved for winners, isn't it? A winner's treat. Now, come use your imagination and apply it to this psalm now for a moment. Because this psalm is taking us back to a moment in time. It's taking us back to the days of Moses. Uh, it, this is after God's victory over Pharaoh and Egypt. Um, God has turned up at Sinai. He's come down from heaven and appeared. He's given the Ten Commandments. And he said, Here are ha here's how things are going to roll, people. Here are the Ten Commandments. It's a bit like a marriage contract, if you like. But this party, this celebration, we're going to need a tent. So they make a tabernacle. That's Exodus. And this party's going to need a barbecue. Okay, it's a, an altar where there's sacrifices, but okay. And this party, it's not a free-for-all. Because somebody's going to need to stand between the people and God's holy presence. You can't just rock up to God. 
And who is the person that stands between the people and God's holy presence in the tent? Well, that person is Aaron, Aaron the high priest. You can read about that in Exodus 29, where he's ordained, where this oil is poured on its head. Now, why? Why is this a big deal? Because this is the moment where victory is celebrated. God's rescued Israel. They're his. And now Israel, God's people, can be one with their creator. Now God in his love and mercy establishes a way for people to approach him and to fellowship with him and to enjoy being one with him again. Of course, it's not easy, but it's possible. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? That God is the creator, this incredible God that smashed Pharaoh. He's just smashed Pharaoh and Egypt. This incredible God who's appeared at Sinai. You can now come to him at the tent, at the tabernacle. You can now fellowship with him at the tent, the tabernacle. And at the center is Aaron, the go-between. God himself, our approach to God, is at the heart of our unity. This is what we're meant to see here, I think. This is about our fellowship with God. And Aaron is at the center of that. Now, in terms of approaching God is a sacrifice. Remember, it's not easy. It's going to cost you your best bull as blood is poured out to atone for sin at the altar. And judgment falls on the beast. It doesn't fall on me. It falls on my substitute, my best bull, my best lamb, whatever it is. And sin is covered over. And I have peace with God. This is what happens. And of course, another word for this process is called atonement, where we make atonement for our sin. And sometimes I've, if you've heard me preach before, I've called atonement at one because this is how people are made at one with God. Need to be one with God again. Sin is a barrier. I need to deal with my sin. The way to deal with my sin is make a sacrifice. Now I can be make atonement at one moment. And now I have peace with God. That's the idea. But keep joining the dots because being one with God, see that this happens in community. It means that we're being made one with each other. That this scene here in Psalm 133, there's, there's a lot of people here. Which means a peace with God, this sacrifice system, also means not only peace with God, but peace with one another. Being right with God. Being right with God means being right with one another. Forgiveness from God, thoroughly good thing to treasure, can only mean forgiveness among believers. A readiness, a willingness, hands held out, I'm willing. And that willingness to forgive like God is willing to forgive underscores our unity. What about unforgiveness then? I mean, that's the impossible application here, isn't it? That's not good and pleasant unforgiveness. It's the opposite. Does our inability then, our inability to forgive a brother or sister... 
Does that undermine our unity? The answer has to be yes. Does our unforgiveness, uh, does it not only touch the person that we're not forgiving, but also everybody else? The answer is yes, it's bad for everybody. And is this what makes any church conflict so painful? I mean, we love Jesus. And so we love and cherish the unity we share in him together, right? But unforgiveness seems to me, uh, unforgiveness doesn't seem to care about unity. And a disposition of bitterness and unforgiveness doesn't care about oneness in Christ. Or our belonging to Christ for that matter, it cannot. Because unforgiveness at the end of the day is all about me and my wants and my rights and my anger and my hurts and my pain. And it's all about me, 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 me and hang everybody else. And the cross of Christ, where is that? It's sidelined. And the wonder of this psalm is lost too. In, in fact, worse, it's mocked. To be unforgiven... To be unforgiving, I should say, is to forget all that Jesus has done for us on the cross and his sacrifice that we see foreshadowed back in the days of Aaron in the temple system. Aaron is a shadow, isn't he? He's a preview of something much bigger and better to come. And that, that, that which is bigger and better is, of course, Jesus. And when we come to the book of Hebrews, for example, we've done Hebrews together at St. Augustine's. We know, should know chapter 7 tells us that Jesus is the high priest. Aaron's just a shadow, but Jesus is the high priest that we need. He is the mediator that we need. Mediator, I should say. He belongs to an entirely different and better order. He's not even the same category as Aaron here. He's so much better. And he, Jesus... I mean, Aaron died, but Jesus lives and he continues to live to intercede for us. He is our go-between, between us and God. Jesus stands between us to mediate so that we can approach the throne of grace. And so do you see our unity hinges on who? On Jesus. Our unity in Christ then is not determined by our preferences or our tastes it's not determined our unity isn't determined by whether we like a pipe organ or a drum kit or whether we prefer traditional hymns with their thys these and thous over balance our unity is not contingent on our preferences or how we do church whatever you think however you think about how we should do church you might have a traditional bent you might be uh, not have a traditional bent. Our unity is not determined by such things. Unity is not a weapon to be waved around as a means of coercing others and making them do something all in the name of unity. No, our unity is in Christ Jesus. He's the hinge. Nothing more, nothing less. We either belong to Jesus and we love him and worship him, or we don't. Simple. We're all called to be united in the truth of who Jesus is and what he is like.
And where there is departure on that, well, that's the rub, isn't it? But here is the great assembly here in this scene. As Aaron is ordained and oil is poured out in abundance. And so verse 1, how true it is. Take your imagination back there. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Of course, when I speak of unity and being together, uh, this is a truth that's tinged with pain for us at the moment because one of the chief ways we express our unity is by being physically together, by singing together, by opening up our Bibles together, in proximity together, learning together, sharing morning tea together, talking about these things, walking together as brothers and sisters, Yet our inability to be together, as I I show you all that, it doesn't change God's ability. And it doesn't change the fact that today we are still one. But COVID doesn't change that and government restrictions don't change that. See God's activity. Now, I want to talk about oil again. Um, Again, in the ancient Near East, uh, the dispensing of oil is like the dispensing of power. That's for the ancient, broadly for the ancient Near East people. It was used for legal contracts to denote friendship or trade agreements or even marriage. Maybe we should bring it back for weddings. Pour some olive oil. Uh, wouldn't that be a great moment? But okay, maybe not. But if a king is inaugurated, inaugurated, uh, oil is applied, symbolising the giving of power. And we've seen that in the Bible, haven't we? Where we come to the Bible, anointing with oil symbolizes God's authorization, God's empowerment of a king or some other representative. Here in this psalm, it's the empowerment of Aaron for divine service, that he's being set apart for this special job. But as you think about oil in that way, the significance of that picture, it's also used to denote cleansing and purification, uh, which is related to confession and forgiveness and even healing. Uh, So Psalm 51, King David sings about confessing sin and being cleansed with hyssop. Or James 5, we'll talk about um, elders of the church praying over the sick and related to that is confession as well. But so see that both spectrums, the activity of God, the power of God that is symbolized in the oil relates to not only the appointment of people to significant service and jobs like a king or a priest, but also it applies to the other end of the spectrum of the the sinner who wants to be cleansed and purified. But it's all about the activity of God. Uh, Dare I say it's all about, it symbolizes the sanctifying power of God, if you like, as people are set apart for him, set apart to belong to him. So, With that in mind, come with me to the last picture. Because in our imaginations, I want you to come to Mount Hermon. Verse 3, it's as if the Jew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Mount Hermon, that's north of Galilee. Um, In winter, its uh, mountaintop can be snow-capped. And what happens when the snow melts? It runs down into the Jordan. And then from the Jordan, it fills Galilee at the top. And then it continues down the Jordan into the Dead Sea and it runs. The snow melts and it fills and it's abundant. And uh, it's a beautiful picture. 
And verse 3, this unity is like this dew, this water, all this moisture from Hermon. And it's as if it's actually falling on, not Hermon, but Zion. All the water content we associate with Hermon, Mount Hermon, now drop it on a different mountain. A different mountain, uh, Zion, which we associate with Jerusalem. A different mountain, which is further south, which is somewhat drier. All of that moisture, drop it on Zion now. Drop it on Jerusalem. It's like that bucket that got poured over Freddie Fittler. Pour it on Zion. Pour it on Jerusalem. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. That's Jerusalem. That's Mount Zion, isn't it? And of course, when we think about such a place, we think about the cross, don't we? And that is right, Jesus' death and resurrection. But I want us to think a bit more because in my, in my mind I went, you know what? What else happened at Jerusalem before Jesus ascended? He, what did he tell the disciples to wait for in Jerusalem? Acts chapter 1. What did the Father promise? The Father promised that he would pour out his Spirit on his people. That God would empower his people with the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so here again is an expression of our unity. Here again is a picture of our togetherness. Our togetherness in the gospel and our witness to the gospel is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not hard to imagine the Holy Spirit being poured out in an abundant way that day at Pentecost, and it's been poured out to believers ever since. We are included in Christ Jesus. We believe, right? And so we are marked with a seal. We are marked with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. That's Ephesians 1.14. Our inheritance, which is life everlasting, which is how this psalm finishes. There it is. And so to be one in the Spirit is to be one in Christ. And to be one in Christ is to be one with each other. And how good and pleasant is that? And can I say again, this is true wherever we are. No matter our circumstance, no matter our distance, whether we are locked down or not, God in his love has come near to each one of us, even now, by his Holy Spirit, dwelling in the hearts of all believers and he, in his love, guarantees life everlasting to his people. Christ's body, his church. See the blessing of our unity. Our, the blessing of our unity comes through Christ. That one sacrifice, once for all. That mediator that transcends all mediators. And by the Holy Spirit poured into our hearts by the God who loves us. How good and pleasant it is. See, our unity is about the Son. See, our unity is about the work of the Holy Spirit. See, our unity, how good and pleasant it is when we live together. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. The creeds are another way of expressing our unity in Jesus. 
So please will you join with me as we say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now in past weeks, uh, we've given you an opportunity to pray together in your household, uh, but today I'm going to lead us in prayer. So will you please join me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are our Father, that as we trust in the Lord Jesus, we can come in confidence as your children. Thank you for our brothers and sisters, those gathered with this online service in many different places, and also those gathered in your name throughout the world. Thank you that in Jesus we have unity, unity with you and with each other. Please grow and strengthen this, your worldwide church. We pray for those who have gone out from their hometowns and home countries to bring the good news of Jesus to others. Please strengthen and equip them for the task you have called them to. We think particularly of Andy and Margie in Uganda, for Gil and Ruth, for those who serve with BCA in small and remote places in Australia. Please give them confidence in the gospel, words to speak and opportunities to share and serve. We pray too for those who serve with compassion in many countries throughout the world. Their work of releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name is vital and valuable. We pray that, especially in times when COVID is wreaking havoc in the lives of millions, you will give them everything they need, along with deep trust in and wisdom from you, in order to provide for the children and families they serve. Father, we bring before you the continuing terrors of Afghanistan. Please be merciful to that nation and to all who truly want peace. We know that true and lasting peace is only found in Jesus. And we know that you have people who call Jesus Lord living in that nation. Even though they fear for their lives because of their faith in Jesus, though they are hard pressed on every side, we pray they will not be crushed. And though they are perplexed, may they not be in despair. Please protect their lives, protect their faith, and may others come to know the joy of your saving grace as they bear witness to Jesus in the way they live and even as some of them die through this conflict. As we here in Australia continue to live through COVID, please continue to strengthen and equip all medical professionals. And we thank you for each one of them. We pray for our government and health officials and ask that you will keep them wise to all they need to be considering. We pray for us that we will live not as individuals,
but as people who are part of community. Help us to live in consideration of and love for others. We pray for those in our vulnerable communities and particularly think of places like Wilcannia. Please provide them with the medical assistance they need, with vaccines, and also with people who can administer clear and helpful information. For all of us, those who are affected by loneliness, financial hardship, fears about employment, sadness at not seeing family or friends for such a long time, please bring comfort. May the unity we have in Christ feed and grow the unity we have with each other. May times of darkness only serve to highlight the light we have because of all we have in Jesus. Help us to reach out to and encourage each other specifically with this light of hope that is for now and for eternity. Father, we thank you that your word is not chained. Thank you that we have Bibles to read and your Holy Spirit to help us understand. Please fill our hearts with joy as we read, mark, learn and inwardly digest it. Please strengthen us this week as we spend time in it and continue on in faith in Jesus. And we pray all of these things in his name. Amen.
let me close our time together with these words from Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.